Maybe I just don't like the sound of my own voice. Maybe that's it. All right, so we have Christian Schulte on, and we are splitting a bottle of tequila. Yeah. Perfect. How you doing, buddy? I'm great. I can't believe I'm interesting enough to be on a podcast. I just don't have a lot of options. Yeah, I know. It's limited. Cheers. Thanks, pal. Yeah, bud. Cheers. Happy to have you. Hey, I'm happy to be here. Nothing like doing a podcast at 10.35 p.m. That's the best time to do it. Yeah, that's what I think. So you were working with YouTube tonight. Yeah. Uh, we've been working with uh, Lior Cohen and the YouTube team on getting the YouTube Music app out. And uh, it's been going so well. People are absolutely loving it. And uh, we just met with Sean Mendez today. Mm-hmm. And uh, he performed later on, and it's the relaunch of the YouTube, uh, the Rolling Stone magazine. So, Rolling, uh, it was pretty Rolling cool. Stone magazine's relaunching the magazine. Yeah. Where so they, they had all of the posters up outside and a huge red carpet, and it was pretty cool. Did they go away? I I don't really. No, know. but they were just they're kind of like just revamping their whole like a rebrand image type yeah. thing. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Like yeah. to uh, get the younger crowd. Yeah, I I think I think a little bit of that, but also just to kind of I don't actually know too many details about it. <laughs> Fair enough. They don't tell me that much. I mean, I'm not the you know head of the operation, right? Well, that sounds cool though. But I like go and I meet with the record executives and I meet with the um, the artists and I get them the app and I kind of like familiarize them with it and you know what it is and um, and how it can actually benefit their artists. And for the artist case, like their platforms. And tonight it was Sean Mendez. Yeah. And you got to meet him? I did. Very cool. I did. What's he like? He's tall. Yeah? You're I was t- surprised. You're tall. I am tall. Yeah. We were eye to eye. And you are? 6'3". Six 6'3". Three. Six three. That's yeah. pretty tall. Yeah. Yeah. I was impressed. And we were kind of wearing the same thing too. And I walked in and he goes, oh. He goes, whoa. He goes, did we get the same memo? <laughs> He actually said that? Yeah. Nice. I said, yes, I got that ping. It's like he's a real person with a sense of humor and everything. Celebrities aren't real. Not real people. No. No. They're tools in the machine. Yeah. Robot. (sighs) Yeah. Good time. Should we start over? Why? Are you feeling uncomfortable? No, I'm just kidding. No. Okay. (laughs) Um, okay. No, I'll fuck this up all on my own. No, 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 no. No. People are gonna know that you fucked up, and they're just gonna have to listen through that part. Oh, yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Okay, so, you are working with Molly, with MFM, and the biggest project, to the best of my knowledge, is Missed Connections, Mm -hmm. which is a web series that you did, you just finished season one of recently. Mm-hmm. And is all of season one out, or are there still a couple episodes that are... Season one is completely out. Okay, and that was ten episodes. Nine. Nine. Because Breaking Bad had nine episodes, and okay. it went really well for Breaking Bad, so right. I figured I would like to also have a Breaking Bad, you know, type success. It's a good model to follow. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I actually decided on nine episodes. Also, I didn't have enough money to produce ten, we you know i'm just kidding um we decided to do nine we i wrote eight episodes shot eight episodes 
and um, and then the ninth episode we devoted as kind of like an interview episode where we uh, kind of like went delved into the show. Why did we do it? Um, why this moment in time? And it was really exciting. And the whole show is available now on YouTube, and it's been doing really, really well. And it's in festival circuit now, so we're we're excited. Nice. Uh, YouTube forward slash MFM Transmedia. MFM Transmedia. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, what episode is your favorite of the eight, Ooh. not including the interview one? Because it's more of like a behind the scenes, like bonus feature type thing. Right. Um, that's kind of a, oh, that's a tough question. What was your favorite on the day? What episode while you were filming were you like, this might be my favorite day so far? Um, well, we had to shoot one episode twice because of a technical difficulty. And when I found that the magic was still there the second time we shot it and that it was even better, um, that it was really cool. And that, that was Beyonce Anonymous. Okay. Uh, but my, I think my favorite of the day though was the Obama parody. Because I was going to say, I think that might be my favorite. I had always wanted to be in a music video. And I thought it was so cool. And I, you know, like when you listen to music on the train or like you listen to music in the car and you pretend like you're in a music video. I I don't. You don't do that? <laughs> Not in a music That's no, I weird. Mean, I, I'm, I sing along or I, I rap along or I, I do the air guitar, but I don't pretend I'm in a music oh, video. I, oh, see, I do it constantly. Okay. Especially like when I'm walking on the streets in New York, you know? I don't, I think it's because I was never that musical. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, ju- I'm just now taking voice lessons. I'm just now trying to figure out singing. Right. But yeah, but that's something that you've had for years. Yeah, I, I've always loved music, and you've been in music videos. Yes, but as not as the singer. So right. I think that was what was so cool about it is that I was actually you know lip syncing to myself, and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm living out this you know little fantasy. So it was really fun. So I had a blast. Yeah. And that was the one that had the most success. It was. Correct? It was. It how was. Many, how pretty, many views is it at? Uh, it's right just north of twenty thousand right now. That's huge. That's so, amazing. Yeah, and as we're just we're a small company and we're you know just still starting and we're plugging away, but we have experienced you know like a a bit of a following and we're just excited to kind of take it to the next level. What's next for the company and? If it's not misconnection. Top secret information. Top secret. Oh my God. What can you tell us? Well, we're, we just turned two. Happy birthday. Thank you very much. Uh, but actually, it's funny that you say that because um, when we were going through all of the, the clips for our, our sizzle reel that we're about to come out with, uh, I realized that we had just turned two and I said it to Molly. And I said, now we kind of get to be in our terrible twos with this company. And we kind of just, now we can go for broke and you know that we have like a bit of a foundation and we've kind of sponged as much as we can. And we're still, we learn so much every day with every project. And I think that's something that is universal to our generation is that we're all kind of trying to go after something Mm -hmm. and you figure it out as you go. And I feel like we've learned a lot, taken those lessons, are continuing to learn and keep an open mind, and now we can kind of just run. So that's exciting for us. It's really exciting. Will 
there be a season two of Misconnections? I hope so. Yeah? Yeah. Are you writing? I've written... So I wrote eight episodes, shot eight episodes for season one. Right. I have written like 16 episodes so far for the next season. Oh, so wow. what I think I want to do... And it's a comedy. It's a sketch comedy show, yeah. just in case your viewers don't know. I mean, by now they should have Googled it. They should have already. Yeah. But if they haven't... Uh, yeah, so it's a, it's a comedy. And I've just kind of written so i want to write it really fat this time and then you know shoot what shoot the best nice but it's hard because if you're not constantly shooting you like miss stuff you know like i I, with as fast as the news cycle turns around you oh yeah you could have you know lost a, a really great moment which is tough too snl deals with it because they go off the air for a certain number of months, and yeah, they have they have the benefit of on season. They they go on every Saturday, so if something happens on Monday, yeah, they could probably still get away with doing it in a sketch. If something happens on Friday night, they work it in. Oh yeah, you know they're, they're spending all day in rehearsal uh, right. for a new sketch that they wrote overnight. Mm-hmm. Back when Tina was there, did sketch you sketch that Tina wrote overnight? Did you see her, David Letterman? No, oh. the the Netflix show that he has now. Yeah, is she is she brilliant on it? She's great. Yeah. Everyone's great. always, but I just love Tina. She, I don't think she did an episode of Comedians and Cars Getting Coffee. She did. She did. I just watched it with my mom and dad. Was it good? It was great. I love that. I. She's very, um, shy. I believe that. Kind of introverted. Mm-hmm. A bit aware of herself it's interesting and my mom pointed it out and she said oh that's really interesting because she's an actress and she's she's more of a writer but i that's exactly what i told yeah. her yeah that's exactly what i told her i was like yeah she's a she's a writer like she was she was great on 30 rock mm-hmm. no one's gonna say that she wasn't oh but fantastic. she wrote for herself totally and she her middle name is elizabeth which is why her character is liz that makes sense yeah yeah she she didn't necessarily give herself. She was great, but she didn't really have a hard time on Thirty Rock. All of all of the heavy lifting was Alec Baldwin and. Other... But she wrote the damn thing. But she wrote the damn. I mean, heavy lifting acting wise. Sure. She wrote the brilliance. She's playing a version of herself. The brilliance behind the entire show yeah. was her. Yeah. No doubt. But that's that's but, why. But it's also not... too with Thirty Rock, the and what I would love, like what my dream would be with comedy and with television, is to have that kind of an ensemble. Mm-hmm. That ensemble work is second to none, and everyone is so on top of their game. It's incredible. I was on set for um, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt with yeah. Tina, and everyone is just one step ahead of everyone else it's actually kind of an interesting um an interesting environment to be working in because everything is so elevated and it's pretty cool to to witness to see the all of these people working together on top of their game that ensemble work is just incredible that level of work too that like top tier a-list tv like tina fey and and um What's Amy Poehler. Amy Poehler. Uh, did she do Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt? No. Ellie Kemper? Ellie Kemper. Yeah. yeah. Like those... She's those, a doll. She's amazing. And 
I watched, you know, she got her start on The Office. And, mm-hmm. you know, you go back to season four of The Office or whatever it is when she first shows up. And she's very, like, bland. Like, she's not making any choices at all. She's just, like, meek secretary in the corner. But then you get to watch her character kind of flourish but then also you get to watch ellie kemper the actress her the actress both you get because i think as ellie kemper got better or more comfortable or both or Mm. something completely different that i'm not thinking of uh aaron the character that she plays right got more dynamic Mm -hmm. or she was always like that but the writers didn't know how to use that yet Mm -hmm. and they couldn't just take her and shift her 180 right away so they slowly like made her right quirkier and just brilliant i think that's kind of been my experience on missed connections too is that i felt more encouraged to make bigger choices and to to um expand the characters that i write for the second season i've written a lot of characters instead of just playing myself Mm -hmm. i think i played myself in five out of eight episodes in the first season Including the Obama music video? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. To a certain extent. Um, but I think it's interesting, too, to, you know, as you progress and as you learn and as you become more comfortable, you can really stretch yeah. what you are capable of or what you think you're capable of. And it's good to, as the writer, you get to do that yourself. That you was have, weird. You don't have to go out searching for something that's going to be challenging. Mm-hmm. And then your agent sends you on an audition for an Amazon commercial and all you're doing is reading like basic white boy shit. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, this is... It pays, but it's not... Right. It's not working out the muscles that I want to work out. It was so bizarre to hear other people saying the lines that I had written. Yeah. That was so weird. Yeah. How much of it was what you pictured and how much of it was completely different, but also really great? Um, actually, it's always stunning when someone takes the words that you wrote and puts a completely different spin on it and makes it their own. And I saw that so much because the people who worked on the show were so talented. And uh, they would take like a little nugget about a character that they got from one of the lines and they would just flip it and yeah. you know make it something completely different and a lot of times it was a real service to like the writing because they would stay on script but they would give it their own personality and they would give it their own character which was really cool and something that I didn't expect to discover mm-hmm. it's interesting too because I remember growing up you know you do high school plays you do college plays and you know people just try to find an excuse for why they want to say something a little different or they want to go off book and this and that. And my acting teacher who I, I wish you, I wish you had been at least able to come one day mm-hmm. for when I was taking classes. Um, is that my fault? Did I fuck that up? No, 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 oh. no, no. We just, I, it just didn't work out timing wise because right. he, classes were always like Monday and Wednesday in the morning and you either worked or it was far, whatever the reasons were. I wasn't interested. You weren't interested. I kept inviting you and you were like, Justin, <laughs> I don't care. Mm-hmm. I hate you. I don't want to spend more time with you. That makes sense. Fuck off. Mm-hmm. But he always said, he's like, the writers have 
every word means something. And if you as an actor are saying, I don't know how to make this line work, or I think I should say it a different way, it's laziness on your part to not figure out why the writer wrote it exactly that way. Right. And you can still make a choice within the line. Yeah. Make a choice, but also respect the writing for what it is. Right. And that's And then also, if you have a right, you know, a, a, a relationship with the writer where you can do it the way that it's written and then mm-hmm. also have a have a go. If he's if he's there, own. if he's there, like, "Hey, what is Or if they say, you know, now fuck it up. Yeah. Now run with it. Because you get it. You get what I meant by the line and you you can embody it. And if you change it a little bit. Exactly. As long as the meaning is still there. The scene is still going to go where it needs to go. Mm -hmm. That's cool. I haven't seen anything that I've written performed yet. Oh my gosh, try it. Oh my God, I'm working on it. (laughs) I'm working on it. I told you I have a, uh, a web series that I'm writing. Yeah. It all exists. Is right it the here. weird one? The weird. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what was the weird one? Well, is it is it you the one that it. you were starting to write in twenty thirteen? No, no, that was all about us, like oh. you, me, and James living together. Yeah, but there was like no, there was some kind of underground thing, and it was like kind of marvelly. Oh, kind of lesiony. Yeah. So, I had Johnny on for my first episode, right, right. Uh, of the podcast, and him and I actually talked about it back in 2013. Oh, and really? Last week when he was on, he told me that he's been writing that mm-hmm. because. So the idea was, it was going to be young actors and actresses and dancers and performers and artists, singers, rap, whatever, all pursuing the dream. But the idea was that outside of uh, that, they would have their survival jobs. Like I work- That's it. That's the one. I work at a restaurant right now. You do uh, the- Production. Production. Um, Thank you for researching what I do, yep. by the way. I know everything I need to know for this. Yep. But I can see all this, of your notes in front of you. This, it's, it's so impressive. It's digital. Um, the idea was there's, they, there's they were going to do like dark jobs, like work for the mob, murder, murder um, rob banks, stuff that, stuff that played into their niche, their uh-huh. skill. Like the actor was going to be a con man. The, uh, what was, what was another idea? Dead air. Dead air. I had, I had like four, I mean, it's 2018. That was five years ago. I had, (laughs) the dancer was going to be like a, a mixed martial artist and she was going to be able to, she was going to be like the muscle. All taking place in New York, right? Yeah. Because that's, because we were going to write it and then we were going to make it ourselves. Yep. And so... We're in New York. We might yeah. as well new- use New York. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, it was going to be, and these kids were all going to... So is that still on the table, or is this an, a new one? This is this is what we talked about back in the day, and Johnny has run with it. Cool. And he has probably changed things. And I don't know if the original idea picture that I had in my head is going to be in there somewhere, but... He's a better writer than I am. So whatever 
he comes up with, I'm sure will be great. Right, but also, right. If it, well, I am. Yeah. I am, but I don't want to write, I don't want to write the same thing as he is. For sure. Because I'm writing, I'm writing something completely different. I'm writing more of a, uh, a full ensemble comedy situation type Oh, cool. Show. So something it's different. Something completely different. Right. This is, this is going to be, so it started, you know, as, as an actor, if you can't find work, you want to write, you write for yourself. Mm-hmm. So I started writing this show and I had myself in the center and, you know, all the crazy stuff is happening to me. But then I started writing all of these other characters mm-hmm. and I started to really like them. Yeah. And so I'm like, well, I'm going to, I'm going to put most of this episode on this character and, and show where she comes from and. And then this one, I'm going to show where he comes from, and most of the dialogue is going to like be... Orange is the New Black. It Ex- exactly. Or uh, I mean, the the idea that I had was uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Perfect. Where it's because it's it's not going to be nearly as big. It's harder to write for other people, though, isn't it? I think that's obviously it's like oh, it's a given. <laughs> it's easy to write for yourself, which is why I think I wrote so many episodes of my show with me as the as me. Yeah. But I think it's really exciting and actually uses a lot more of your imagination to write other characters. I pull a lot from the people that I know. Yeah. And a lot of the interactions that I have with people. Um, Do you have like a really funny and also very hot, very tall character? I'm not writing any... None um, of your personal relationships? I'm I'm not writing any gender or... Uh, attributes at all. I'm writing characters, and when the time wow, comes, that's very inclusive of yeah. you. So when the time comes to cast, except uh, one, my the character that I'm playing uh, has a sister. Okay. Um, but even that is up for debate. You know. Cool. Um, but everyone else is just going to be. Uh, they're going to have like Ryan Reynolds and Blake Lively. They're going to have like the gender neutral names and when i post on um i like how ryan reynolds and blake lively yeah. are your your go-to They're non-gender not yeah right well the hottest couple on the face of the earth and i will make them an offer to mm-hmm. be in this show and they will never hear about it nope nope which is fine ryan reynolds can only make one career mistake <laughs> he made two what Green Lantern and what? Uh, the original uh, time he played Deadpool in oh. X Men Origins was that a mistake? It wasn't his mistake as much as it was Fox's. Okay, because they butchered the character. Mm. Remember, they made him like a dead, like a pool, like a pool of all the different powers. Yeah, and they sewed or they like seared his mouth shut. Whatever they did, they made it so that there was a patch of skin over his mouth. Okay, and. He had the katanas come out like Wolverine blades and he could shoot beams mm-hmm. like, oh, it was such a mess. It was a lot. There was it a was, lot going on. Yeah. The only good part was in the beginning when Ryan Reynolds was like Wade Wilson and he was like mouthing off on the helicopter. and But that was like three minutes. Right. So it wasn't a mistake if it led the to the eventual. The stink is still on him for that. Yeah. Although well, I no, love... no, he's redeemed himself. Yeah. <laughs> two times over. Because Deadpool 1 and 2 are both great. It's fantastic. The first one's a masterpiece. The second one is still really great. I liked the second one better. Well, you're wrong. I almost but... didn't stop laughing. 
Like I was being annoying. I know I was sitting. And next I to you. I prefer in movie experiences to go like in um, theaters that are not as crowded because mm-hmm. I like to express myself. Mm-hmm. But that you, one, an we actor, were all, writer, producer. It's weird like to express yourself. I know, but weird. I was kind of sandwiched in, and I I felt like I was being annoying. Well, it was it was a comedy. I don't think anyone would have judged you for laughing. I, I laughed really hard. I know. I was again sitting next to you. You were. I felt it. Mm-hmm. The spit hit my face. Yep. You laughed in every I direction. I turned to the side. Every direction. Yeah. <laughs> right into my ear. Mm-hmm. That was nice. Still can't hear in that ear. Deadpool was exactly what I needed after Avengers. Avengers. Yeah. <sighs> Let's not go down that rabbit hole, though, because I'm, <laughs> I'm not interested. I'm not sure. I'm ready to cry again. Well, no. It comes out on digital on the 31st. What are you... No, I'm just no. Sponsored by them? No, I wish. God, (laughs) we'd be not in my living room. No, we'd be in a much classier studio. Much classier. We'd each have a microphone. Yeah. I mean, you have one, but it's not plugged. Which I lugged around all day to YouTube, by the way. Thanks. That's okay. I wish I could have. I just unplugged it. It was really loud. I wish I could have gotten it to work. I'm sorry, I couldn't. You know what? I forgive you, bud. I appreciate that. That's why you're a good friend. Okay. Well, this is fun. This is fun. I'm having a lot of fun. What do you have coming up outside of MFM and stuff that you're creating? Um, <laughs> what do I have coming up? Project-wise. Okay. I... Outside of MFM? <laughs> Can we cut this part of it? No, I'm not censoring you. <laughs> As I like rack my brain for projects, I am I am so busy right now. Okay, um, just... okay, I'll redirect. Um, <laughs> you cut me off. Are you... I'm so busy. I'm very important. I uh, want to believe you. Um, what What's the next step in the right direction to get where you want to go um, in your career? Actually, I would like to answer the first question now. Okay. <laughs> What do you have coming up? I am actually writing a screenplay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So a not to belabor or... the you know writing talk, but I um yeah a, and a drama something very very serious. Mm. But it's a it's something that I've always wanted to do, and I started with comedy sketches and that was fun and really safe. But this one I want to do a lot of research for, and I want to um, expand on what I've learned in the things that I've already written and it's a story that's really personal to me and uh, I'm excited. I kind of like get chills every time I think about it. What about the plot can you say? And I respect that you might want to keep it under wraps, but can you say anything about it? Uh, I can just say that it's, it's really personal. Okay. And I get that. I want you to open up. Yeah, no, it's no, it's about someone who, uh, directly impacted my life before I was born. Okay, very good. So it's gonna follow that person, like it's gonna I be don't about know. them, or is it gonna be them through your eyes? So I have or... done no writing yet. Okay, I'm just kind of pulling thoughts together and researching and interviewing people, but I have that personal stake mm-hmm. in the story. So you really want to make it right? I I almost kind of want to make it like a crash kind of a film. Crash Where, was great. Crash was great. Yeah. Sandra Bullock was such a bitch in that. Yeah. Well, she she's she plays a good bitch. 
She sent okay. Don't get me off track here, but Sandra Bullock can play anything. Sandra, did you see the new Oceans movie yet? No. See, Oceans Eleven is one of my but, favorite movies. But have you seen her in Premonition? Which one's Premonition? That might be a like real niche movie, but it's a Which horror thriller. She wakes up, her husband's dead. She wakes up, her husband's still alive, and she has to piece together the seven days around her husband's death. Feel like I saw it when it first came out. Oh, and I have chills just talking sense. about it. It's warm in here, so that's saying something. Oh my gosh, she's so fantastic. She's great, but she was gravity really freaked me the hell out. Yeah, but that was part her, part space, and scary. part George Clooney. Part George Clooney. I wanted to get. I almost got George Clooney's tequila, but it, I almost got like a small bottle, like a. Uh, does he own like okay. an Agavaria or something like that? He owns Casamigos. How does he pay for that? I don't. Probably by the money he makes from Casamigos. <laughs> um, but yeah, if you go and you look at the bottle, there's a George Clooney signature on it. But they had small ones. They had like, I don't know how many. It was probably like 12 ounces as opposed to a fifth. But it was... But it's still like $65. It was 30 Okay. And this and this fifth of tequila that I like better was thirty six. So I'm like, this tequila is so good. Well, and now we we are successfully off track. Yes. Um, this tequila you got for my twenty fifth birthday. Yes. And now you're fully, unreal. What is it called? The uh, Coralejo. And this is the Reposado. It's in a tall, thin blue bottle. That's the white boy abbreviation, right? Coralejo. Pronunciation. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know. Coralejo. You're white too. That makes all of the pronunciations we get white boy pronunciations. That's correct. And you're welcome. Uno mas? Sure. We are splitting a bottle. We are. To completion. The, the, no. Jeez. <laughs> God, no. The idea, the idea of splitting the bottle is Oh, I'm sorry. Not... My iPhone says it's time for bed, so... See ya. Well, <laughs> see ya. <laughs> Chilies. Chilies. Uh, Mike will never listen to this. He might. He won't. Mike, for those listening, is Christian's sister's boyfriend. And he's a big fan of chains. Yeah. He loves chain Friday, restaurants. Fridays, Chilies, Ruby Tuesdays. We were in Lots. Philly and we were trying to figure out where we were going to go to eat. It was him, my sister, and I. And we offered up all these different restaurants that were unique to Philly. And I mentioned Chili's. And he goes, oh, let's do Chili's. <laughs> and we were like, yeah, I guess. Like, we need something really quick. Yeah. And we were going into the building. And he was so excited about it. He held the door for me. And he goes, Chili's. <laughs> oh, uh, Mike. Mike, we love you. We sure do. We, and, and you're easy to love. And so is Chili's. Mm-hmm. Let's go. Let's go to their three dollar Bud Light happy hour. Yeah, I'm gonna start going. So I work. I'm not allowed. I'm actually not allowed to say what restaurant I work at. Really? I I signed a contract saying. Can I, I say no? No, <laughs> please don't. Well, maybe, but please don't, just in case. I'm not allowed to say anything about where I work or anything about work. They don't want to be associated with you. No, of course not. I'm doing a podcast in my apartment at 11 o'clock at night. Yeah. This is what I do for fun. Yeah. But I'm not allowed to post anything on Instagram or Facebook or anything like that. And I think it's mostly to dissuade employees from posting that celebrities have come in 
or if a guest was a total B. You know what that B stands for. Beatrice. Bad customer. That's right. Um, we don't trash talk them mm-hmm. on... Well, that sounds fair, right? But I think that... I think so. Okay. So, so I'm not allowed to talk about it. Yeah. Okay, fine. I won't talk about it. I forgot my point. No one's going to know this because we edited over it, but we had a little technical difficulty just now where the... This is a high-class operation. Yeah. What was your favorite job... (laughs) I'm taking over. What was your favorite job when you were growing up? Growing up, like, when I started... Can you talk about those jobs? I think so. All right. Uh, The locker room, hands down. Yeah. So my first job was at a little place back in Michigan. I think it was called the Copper Pot or something like that. It was on Eleven and Harper. Yeah. It was like one of those little diners, and I washed dishes, and I hated that. You worked there? Yeah. No way. My The summer between sophomore year and junior year it used to be um one of the coney islands and it turned over yeah yep so i worked there i was i was washing dishes and i was i was the bus boy and the dishwasher so i had to go out onto the floor i carried the heavy ass dish buckets back into the kitchen emptied them brought them back out or i brought empty ones out and swapped out whatever i did but it was so funny because my great-grandfather who Lived to be 97. It was great. And he lived on his own until like two and a half weeks before he passed. Mm -hmm. I've got good, long-lasting genes. It's going to be great. Love that. Uh, He started to lose his vision. And I was the oldest of my generation. I was the first great-grandkid to him, grandkid to that generation. Um, So I was the only great-grandkid he had that could drive. And so he gave me his car. And I think it was less than a month after I got the car, my dad calls me in the middle of the day. It's like June. It's like we just got out of school. And he's like, hey, did you find a job yet? And I'm like, I, I no, I wasn't really, I mean, I, how do you do that? Because I'm 16. I don't know how to find a job. I've never had one before. And he's like, come down to the, the copper pot. I think I got you a job washing dishes. And I'm like, all right. You're like, great. That's exactly yeah. what I wanted to do, right? asshole. <sighs> So I go down and I meet... You're, I meet you were 16 when you had your first job? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Copy that. I had... I'd done other stuff. I So my parents owned Strip It, remember? Mm-hmm. Strip It was the uh, the plastic media blasting and paint and rust removal operation on Grossbeck. And I worked there during the summer before I could drive. So that was before I was 16. But that was kind of when I wanted to. I didn't have a schedule or anything. It was like mm-hmm. during the summer is like Tuesday, Tuesday night, like, hey, you coming in with me tomorrow? And it's like, yeah, I'll do that. I'll go make, I made 10 bucks an hour and I was fine at yeah. it. Like it wasn't, it wasn't my, I, I, I 10 bucks an hour is a lot in Michigan though. And, and I when was, we were growing and up. I was 15. Yeah. Like my parents were paying me a 15 year old, the same that they were paying most of the grown men that had worked for the company before they bought it. The same wage. Right. It's kind of ridiculous when you think about it. I started working as a lifeguard when I was 15. And I was yeah. I started at 6.25 an hour. That's stupid. And you had to go through lifeguard certification, yeah. AED training. 
you know, I just life saving for the professional rescuer. I just put a soapbox up next to the booth so that I could stand up and reach into the gloves. A literal soapbox. A literal. It was so. So at strip at my job was. Did you preach? From I was. I was. Shut up. I was blasting crushed walnut at industrial parts, removing the paint. The, cr- the walnut did the paint, and the glass bead and the crushed glass removed the rust. Uh huh. And so it is super interesting, I know. And so I would stand... Your I, listeners are on the edge of their seats. I know. It's like one of those... Did you ever see Life? That movie with Jake Gyllenhaal and Ryan Reynolds where the alien takes over? Yes. Yeah. Terrifying. So, so you know when he starts in that little like glass case and you reach in with the rubber gloves? Yep. It was a lot like that. And so you reach in... Was it as high stakes? No. No. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds was nowhere near it. Oh, God, God Ryan Reynolds. Back when I was doing that, Ryan Reynolds that was Van Wilder. fucked me up. Yeah. Did you know that Ryan Reynolds was originally going to play the Jake Gyllenhaal role? We're just going to be talking about movies the whole yep, time. Yeah, pretty much. He was originally going to play the lead, the Jake Gyllenhaal role, but he had too many conflicts time-wise, so he couldn't commit as much time. That's so why his character died so be... quickly. Yeah. Well, there goes that spoiler. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds fucking dies in life, the movie. Oh. Not life, life. Eventually <laughs> no. in life. Maybe. I don't know. They're saying that... We're going to get in trouble for that. Yeah, it's not a threat. It's just an observation of the future. Huh. Huh. I, <laughs> I don't need, know how I feel about that at all. I might need to edit this. Actually, Ryan Reynolds is one of the um, one of the actors whose career I emulate. Yeah? Yeah, he's like on my mood board. If you could pick any one actor whose career you could... Not carbon copy and like so. Say Matt Damon for example. If you wanted to copy Matt Damon, I wouldn't. I wouldn't hold you to like do the Bourne movies, like the remakes. But like, if you could follow a career path of an act of any one actor, right? Like loose example, uh, Matt LeBlanc did one of the most successful sitcoms, and then he kind of fell away, and then he came back and did episodes on Showtime, which was super successful. But he's never really done movies that so like sitcom and really good tv show is one path or you could pick like the morgan freeman where you do a bunch of small stuff and then just launch into shawshank redemption which is huge and then you're big from then on yeah like that's that's kind of what i mean like loosely holding to the standards right which actor would you pick oh man um is adam scott the one who was from parks and rec yeah yeah he kind of just bubbled to the top of my head just because uh, I love ensemble comedy mm-hmm. and I love where um, I think that would be my dream. You know, like uh, I love Julie Louis-Dreyfus's she's career. Great. I, How is she doing, by the way? I think that she's in, uh, she's recovering from um, chemo. I ask her if you know her, like you have her on speed. Dial. I do not know her. And okay. I, that's, that's, I, don't, I have that's no idea. That's the dream, right? To get Julia Louis-Dreyfus on oh God, I was like, to get chemo and radiation? <laughs> no, I was like, God, Jesus. no. God. Oof. Okay, please edit that out. <laughs> no, but um, I think that the sitcom ensemble is my dream. So, mm-hmm. um, But I really like what Adam Scott has done in particular with um, dramas and comedies. He just was in Big Little Lies. And oh, I haven't watched that yet. Gave a really great performance. Uh, but I, I really do like uh, Ryan Reynolds' career as far as films are concerned because mm-hmm. he has kind of run the gamut of drama and 
romantic comedy and he kind of really comedy and and so and superhero film. So Blue pointed out before Deadpool came out, it was it was well previews for Deadpool were out that Ryan Reynolds wasn't actually an A-list actor before Deadpool, which I found interesting because you know says who said, well it's it was it was an interesting perspective and I disagreed with him at the time but it's it's interesting to think about because Ryan Reynolds before like the proposal Ryan Reynolds is not a list I mean he was supporting in that technically no he's a lead Sandra Bullock was the lead they both were they had equal billing okay what else though um like before Deadpool. I mean, yeah, Van Wilder, which was kind of his breakout. The mm-hmm. National Lampoon's Van Wilder. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, um, what was the uh, my best friend's wedding? Something about my best friend. <laughs> oh, yeah, I want Ryan Reynolds' career, but I can't name any of his movies. No, hold on. Let's see if we can look it up real quick. Well, that's annoying. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds, IMDb. Definitely, maybe. Definitely, maybe was not an A-list movie though. Oh, but it's so good. Oh, though. it's great. I just saw that for the first time recently. Buried was an indie. Oh. Um. Did you see him in Safe House? With Denzel Washington. He's close I to tears the entire so. movie, and it's. It. I was on the floor. Yeah. Just. Just friends. Blade. Just friends. Yeah. Harold and Kumar. I mean, these are all. Maybe the Just Friends one was the one I was thinking about. Just Friends is the one with uh, Amy. No. Smart. Yes. Yeah. Great movie. Hilarious physical comedy. Not necessarily a list though. Definitely. Yeah. Fine. Definitely. Maybe. Paperman buried. Green. Green. Green Lantern was really like the big blockbuster and i think i think blue's point was to be a list you have to have those all right this movie's going to the box office it's going to be number one Mm -hmm. you know also speaking of mission impossible is at 96 percent. we're going to see that this weekend right this is the first time hearing of it but yeah i'm on board well you're officially invited all right we have to go I can't go this weekend. <laughs> no one cares about your schedule. Bro. I can't go this weekend. I'm sorry. All right. Well, I've got, I guess we'll have to wait then. I've got all the things going on. Yeah. Um, but I thought that was interesting that Ryan Reynolds was uh, not considered A-list until Green Lantern. Hmm. But Adam Scott? Yeah. Is, is your, is your, that's interesting well, that you pick Adam Scott because mine is from the same show and it's Chris Pratt. Ooh. Because the same, the same reasons. It's... I want to be a part of an ensemble comedy that just happens for six, seven, eight years. Um, I understand that Friends was probably the last one that's going to go as long as 10 years uh, because shows nowadays are swinging more towards we're going to tell the story we need to tell. We're not just going to... Where they're not so, you know, held by the networks. Right. And the creators of Friends even admitted that they really told the network we can't do this anymore because the show was always going to end with ross and rachel together that was kind of the big culmination of the show mm-hmm. and they said in an interview it's like we were running out of ways to keep them apart 
Mm-hmm. Like that whole Joey and Rachel together thing was super. It's like J- Jess and Nick on New Girl and. Yeah, I mean Jess and Nick is kind of the. I don't watch Bi- uh, Big Bang Theory, but I'm assuming that there's some kind of. Big Bang Theory isn't very good, and if my parents ever listen to this, that's their favorite show, and I'm sorry, but it's not very good. Veep is my favorite. Veep is fantastic. Veep has some of the best writing Veep on is, HBO. Veep well, is perfect. HBO actually I'm so interested to see who wins Best Actress at the Emmys this year because Julia Louis-Dreyfus for the first time is not up because there was no Veep season this year. Right. So a different actress has an opportunity for the first time in six years. Interesting. Maybe Amy Adams in uh, that new show that just Ooh. came out, Broken something. A sharp object. Sharp's up. Sharp. Yeah. Sharp. Broken. Yep. You, you saw Keep drinking. How, you saw how my brain did a thing. <laughs> well. I think it's interesting that um, some of these films are not films, but television shows are being made into television shows and not films. So, so Big Little Eyes, for example, Sharp Objects, for example. So it's it's something that I talk about with my with my tables at my job a lot because they ask what I want to do and you know when I when I started doing this and probably when you started doing this too I don't know if your parents ever said this I know my mom said this to me she was saying you know what do you want to do and I'm like well TV is great movies are great and she's like do you want to do TV because it seems like movies are where like the top actors are working but that's not the case anymore Mm-mm. because. <laughs> Westworld. Because the beautiful people of film are mixing with the rat-faced people of television. Or... Amy, Amy Poehler. Or... <laughs> did she say that? At the Golden Globes. Fantastic. When her and Tina hosted? Mm-hmm. Fantastic. I need to watch that again. But it's so great because one of my favorite actors is Anthony Hopkins. And He'll did you ever watch... What? He'll never make it. <laughs> what does that mean? I'm kidding. As an actor? He'll never make it as an actor? Yeah. He has... So, did you watch Westworld? This conversation is ADD. Did you watch Westworld? The first season, yes. Was that not one of his best performances? I loved it. Right? I absolutely loved it. Doesn't answer my question, but... Right? Like, right next to Silence of the Lambs? Oh, yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah, it was so good. He's also one of the most respected... I'm totally kidding, by the way. About what? About how he'll never make it as an actor. I... My re- my reaction That's came. That's the biggest joke of my life. My reaction. I misunderstood what you were saying oh. because I thought you were this. <sighs> wow, you really weren't picking up on those. Guys. I really wasn't. I thought you were saying something completely different. Right. But like Anthony Hopkins is one of the most well-respected actors in Hollywood, and he did TV. Mm-hmm. But he also gave one of the best performances of his career. Right. In TV. So it's it's. I not, think Meryl Streep is about to give one of her best performances in Big Little Lies next season. I think she already gave her best performance in Mamma Mia Two that just hit theaters this past Friday. I am sorry, that was bad. That was in bad taste. Also, it's a cameo. Also, Meryl probably did give a pretty great performance in that cameo. I'm yeah. I'm assuming she's great in whatever she does. Yeah, I would. Watch Another it. Amy Poehler. She, she uh, Meryl didn't show up to one of the Golden Globes, and. Amy Poehler said, um, Meryl Streep could not be here tonight. She has the flu, and I heard she's amazing in it. I love that. Big laugh. Was that big enough? Yep. Worked for me. Nice. But yeah, I think think it's interesting. I think when when you or I, whoever goes first, doesn't matter, uh, because the other one's going to bring the other one up. 
responsibility. Sure, sure. Uh, it doesn't really it doesn't really make a difference whether or not it's uh, TV or or film. There's even a lot of respect for the web based shows. That are yeah, I mean right it's now. where a lot of a lot of shows are getting pulled from. Broad City. Amy Poehler pulled Broad City off of YouTube, yeah. and now it's on Comedy Central, and it's on season six or seven. Mm-hmm. Insecure started as a web series. Insecure. Um, what was the other one? The one with the... It's incredible. The British guy, and then the redhead, The uh, where they're dysfunctional, and it's on Hulu. Oh, I saw one episode of that. Yeah, it's really funny. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it's called. I don't either. I forget. No, but this but is the really interesting good. thing about about uh, web series, though, is that it this digital age that we live in offers independent filmmakers and storytellers this opportunity to tell stories on a platform that we wouldn't have had an opportunity to do ten years, even ten years ago. And it's not controlled by a network. It's not controlled by anyone. It's not. Con- I mean, us, the, right. the creators. Exactly. It's we it's. Get- completely it's it's almost ungoverned i think is is the best way to say it because we like say i want to tell a story and i write it and i produce it no one is in charge of me no one's gonna say oh you probably shouldn't say that joker you probably shouldn't i mean this isn't gonna relate to people we need to relate to the widest possible audience to make the most amount of money it's like that argument would have made sense back when nbc abc cbs and fox all ran the gamut. Was that was it? And that was it. And those were the big four. If you watch, I mean, Seinfeld is one of the best sitcoms of all time, and their characters are writers, and they're trying to sell to Fox mm-hmm. and NBC and ABC, and it's mostly NBC because Seinfeld was on NBC. But like that was the whole pivotal point of the that story arc. It's like we have a sitcom. We need to sell it to NBC. Otherwise, it doesn't happen. And it didn't happen because they didn't sell it to NBC. Right. Ray Romano was talking about this. He's doing a new show now. Get Shorty. Yes. So good. And he was talking about the fact that, okay, we might not have like the expansive numbers that we had for something like Everybody Loves Raymond, but the niche audience that they do have and that so many filmmakers and storytellers have with all of the different platforms that are available are so energized and intensely interested in whatever the content is on that platform and that's where they go yeah so it's very interesting because you you still have audiences that are very very um in tuned and very um excited about the kind of content that each platform is producing even though it's not you know in the numbers that it would be if it were the big four but there are so many more opportunities and there's so much more to go and find. I think we also get more accurate representation of what people are watching these days. Because if you recall, like back 10 years ago, before internet TV was a thing, it was Nielsen boxes. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. then that's what they gauged the program. And now on. it streams and, and now, now it streams and you and they have real live data about who's watching what like if you during game of thrones season like monday morning they'll tell you exactly how many people watched game of thrones last night mm-hmm. whereas the nielsen like there were there are nielsen families and there might still be i don't know but 
they would give these boxes to these families and there were like 10,000 boxes in Michigan and 7,000 in Wisconsin and this and that. And based on what those families watched. They spoofed it on Family Guy. Yes. Yeah. And based on what those families watched, that's how they altered the programming. Mm -hmm. But now they can actually alter it based on what the whole 300 plus million people in the United States are watching. Right. Right. Which is so crazy and also amazing because good material gets out there and it can't just be shut down by a network that's like all right we're not really sure this is working it's like we know exactly how well it's working and exactly how not well it's working and if there's an audience keep it going right which is great and it also provides a real challenge too and it's something that I've encountered as well is how do you cut through the noise of all of these other platforms and how do you make yourself different and how do you kind of assert yourself with while still staying true to what you want to produce and what you want to make what do you think the answer is to that do you think it's in the writing do you think it's in the acting in the promotion in the I don't know what what do you think is the most important aspect. I think it's in the purity of the idea and it's looking at everything and we have access to so much I feel like every media I take in whether it's in you know music or television or film or theater everything that I take in informs the kind of work that I create and if you you know if you take in all of that and you have still have your ideas and your things that have not been touched yet or things that haven't been done yet I think that's where it gets really exciting and it's just marketing it in the right way and getting it out there um, but it can be really exciting do you buy into the so I think in answer yeah. to your question it comes from the the passion behind the idea okay do you believe that the idea of there are six stories in all of time and everything is just a variation, different location, different... Well, it's like all the songs are the same chord progression. Yeah, well, someone, someone suggested that uh, if you go back to Shakespeare, Shakespeare wrote almost every story that can be written. Mm-hmm. And any movie that comes out or any TV show is just a different interpretation of that same story arc. Like... Like the uh, the Amanda Bynes, she's the man, is just uh, Twelfth Night. Um, Lion King's Hamlet. Yeah, exactly. And there, and it's it's just different. Those. Mm-hmm. Do you believe that that's the case? Do you think that we might be? I mean, sure. In the fact that like we get inspiration from other work. Do you do you think that we might be in 2018 finally? opening up to the idea of new stories as we I don't think it's a new concept you don't think you don't you think it's just different I think human beings continue to evolve in shocking and dramatic and horrifying and super interesting ways and I think that okay well you can make the argument that you know the stories all have a common thread or a common ancestry I think that the filmmakers and especially independent filmmakers are really making um, strong cases for new stories. 
I think it's it's exciting. You go to somewhere like Sundance, or you go, even go to West Fourth Street at the uh, IDC Theater, IFC. IFC. Yeah, and you're right. And <laughs> independent um, film channel. Yeah, independent dunce channel. Dunce. But you go to those places and you see films uh, like independent films too, and it's you know the stories are a whole lot better than whatever they they have at AMC and Regal. So why do you think, do you think that Hollywood just isn't, I mean, so one of the biggest pet peeves I have is movies like Transformers. The first one was, was, you know, visually stunning and we got to see cars turn into giant robots and, you know, it was the first time seeing the, you know, the, the good robots are defending Earth against the bad robots. But then they kept making them and it was the same and it was all a lot of big but $450 million to make a movie that almost didn't make any sense. It cost $450 million. The third one, Transformers 3, was a $450 million budget. Wow. And I've always been really good at catching continuity errors. You um, are good at that. Yeah. Annoyingly my, so. Yeah, my parents... Growing up, like I would, I would catch it, and they would make the joke like, "Oh, you should get a job in continuity." And I'm like, "Well, I'm going in that industry." Script so suit. Ooh. You know what I did like about Transformers though is they shot in Detroit. I liked that. Did you know that the uh, Elysium with Matt Damon, the movie where he has like the giant like robotic vest thing, and he's the soldier, and he's got a shaved head in the super futuristic world. Anyway, they offered that role to Eminem. No shit. Oh yeah, I kind of remember. Yeah, that. and he said, "I'll do it if you film in Detroit." And they said, "Nah." And he's like, "All right, peace, peace, bitches." <clears throat> That's a very Eminem thing to do to be like. It's a very Detroit thing. You to don't do. want to do it my way. Well, then we're not going to do it. Why? Why don't you go screw yourself? He was. Did you West see Eight Mile? I did see Eight Mile. He was. I grew really, up on the other side of Eight Mile. He was really you, Vernier. <laughs> Vernier. That's what they call. Did you ever see the list of street names? It's like you don't know how to pronounce this unless you're from Detroit. Right. Grashit. Like, uh, Dequinder. Mm-hmm. What was the, what was the other? Shaner. Shaner. Shaner was really good. My GPS always called Shaner Skachener, which just sounds super German. Super well. G- Michigan's a very German state. Michigan's a smorgasbord. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's got Dearborn, which is the biggest Muslim community in yep. uh, the United States. Right. And Detroit's prominently African American, and Gross Point is prominently white. Very white. Too white. Y'all fuckers is white. Too much. Much too eh, much. Much too much. It's good, though. I miss Michigan. Michigan summers. I was just in Michigan. I know. I'm jealous. I might go back on the 11th. Just the 11th. Just the, really? Like, like fly. For Jobby Nooner so you can fall off the back of a boat drunk? I did that <laughs> last year. I don't need to do it again. No? No, it'll be uh, raft off. Oh, I just had too much tequila. <laughs> <laughs> All good. No, wow, it is so good though. Right? Anyways, Michigan. Michigan summers. So my parents have a boat and I'm going back on the 11th for the boat party. Michigan's the best, especially in the summer. 
I'm... Sometimes in New York, I feel really trapped because there's no water that you can really get in that's the close best, by. The best part of being back in Michigan is... So we go and we we tie up. And anyone listening, if you Google like raft off aerial shot or Jobby Nooner aerial shot, you see just how packed this thing is. But the best is actually at the end of the night or at the end of the day, rather, like sun setting. It's like 8.30, 9 o'clock. The sun sets at like 9.20, 9.25. And there's just a few boats left. It's my parents' boat and their buddy's boat and their buddy's boat. And there's like five of us. Lots of and you go stand on the bow and you're in the middle of Lake St. Clair. And all you see is the sun setting in the distance and you got the reeds poking up because we're right near Harsons Island. And it's just no noise mm-hmm. except the boat's rocking a little bit. So you got waves like kind of lapping up against the, the boat. So and peaceful. It's... <sighs> I wish I could do it every day that I have off. I know. Like go to work those five days and then... You know, my Saturday, because it's restaurant industry, so I work Saturday, Sunday, but like I have off Tuesday and Thursday, for example. I'd go out on the boat Tuesday and I'd go out on the boat Thursday and that would be my happy place. Yeah. I just took one of my friends home to Michigan so she could see it. And she's from Puerto Rico, lives in New York. And um, she was just sitting on the back deck of my boat with her feet in the water. Swim platform. Yeah. Yeah. On the swim platform. Yeah. And just staring out at Lake St. Clair. And we were all eating over in the, you know, on the other end of the boat. And I was like, Eddie, come on over, you know, come on over here. She's like, no, no, no. I just, I need a minute. I don't get this ever. And that's exactly kind of what, what Michigan is. Yeah. For us it is because we're all just romantic about it because we don't live there anymore. I don't know, man. I'm like that when I'm there too. I was like that my last summer there. I had a jet ski. I worked at the locker room. I, it was a bar. It was open till two, but we would be there till like three thirty, four o'clock. Uh, go to Denny's after with everyone. <laughs> eat breakfast. I'd get home right when the sun was coming up. Could you live in Michigan again? I intend to live in Michigan again. Okay. I have every intention of going back as soon as it's humanly possible. Really? Yeah. The idea is, and the idea always has been, and this is what I've told people for years, I want to establish a career enough to where I don't need to live in New York or LA to work as an actor. I want to be told, hey, you have an audition for this movie that Universal is doing. Be in LA on Tuesday. And then I'll fly to LA and I'll do the audition and I'll get it or I won't. And then I'll fly back. Yeah. That's the level. Because it's important to you that your heart is in mm-hmm. Michigan. Got it. I don't like New York. I have not been very secretive about that. Anyone. Tables at the restaurant. Definitely not. Tables yeah. at the restaurant ask me. It's like, oh, where are you? From? Yeah, I can tell you're not from New York. Where are you from? I'm from Michigan, just outside of Detroit. And they're like, oh, how do you like New York? It's like, I don't really. Yeah. And they're like, oh, really? Like if they're if they're not from New York, they don't get it because they're on vacation and their experience is Central Park 
Empire State Building, great restaurant, great restaurant, great restaurant. Midtown. Midtown. <gasps> it's a romanticized version that they're living out. Right. And they're in the middle of that. They're in the middle of their movie of New York. And I've been here almost six years. Mm-hmm. We've been here almost six years. Um, we moved out on the same day. We did. In the same U-Haul. In the same van. Yep. We took a nap at a truck stop. Yep. Because we needed it. Oh my gosh. You remember that? Yeah. We were so far ahead of the U-Haul that we took like a 45 minute nap. And That's right. And that is a that is a monstrous move from yeah. Michigan to New York. I mean, I mean, yeah, it's not that bad for people who move across the country. They're like, oh, that's you know. I like Robert. I wish we didn't move his stuff. His bed. His bed. It's like we moved a lot of things. We moved a lot of things. We moved this very couch sure that we're did. sitting on. We moved most of the furniture in this room. We did. Yeah. This that lamp. Why? Okay. This is a question I have for you. Sure. Because this is my show. Um, why the was it is closer to you? Why was it New York? Why wasn't it Chicago? We are from Detroit. Why wasn't it Chicago? I never considered Chicago. I didn't either, but why? I don't think Chicago was big enough. Interesting. I if you look at what casts out of where LA is mostly movies. New York is mostly stage. But the lines are getting blurrier. And a lot of casting is done on camera now. And if you can get an agent in New York, chances are you can start doing commercials and movies. I mean, I never really got that you could do that in Chicago. And I had a couple friends that were a couple grades ahead of me, a couple classes ahead of me in college, and they went to Chicago, and it was a lot of theater. Mm-hmm. I also never really wanted to pursue theater because there's no money in it. Unfortunately, it is as difficult as it is. But to Chicago's that. commercial market is incredible. Is it? It is. And was it when we moved? I think it was. I don't know. I think I, it was, I, and I, I, I don't recall. I've spoken to my agents out here, and. Um, they have indicated that Chicago would have been a actually quite a good move, sure. Because I'm very Midwestern looking and all of that. Um, but I th- just think it's interesting that it, when we, we were finishing college, it. it was never on the table. It was never. It was New York or LA. You called me and you said, "Still thinking about New York?" And yeah. I said, "Yeah." And that was it. That was it. And we, because it was, it was clear that we were not going to stay in Michigan. Because, well, I I had my showcase out here. It's my senior year. We did a showcase, mm. and we practiced these scenes. We rehearsed these scenes, and we rented a theater, and we invited agents, and all of that, and we did that out in New York. And so we spent four days in New York. Two of them doing the showcase, and then we had the day that we arrived and the day that we left as kind of free time and then nights and we went out at night because we were 21 we were in new york we were gonna go out at night i actually went to fat cat in the west village really and i ran into the cast of 30 rock oh my gosh and you're like this is what new york this is, is and this is the height of luxury <laughs> it was it, i ran into kenneth uh will forte uh jason sudeikis mm-hmm. um the woman who was like the blonde with the like the big hair? Yeah, yeah. They were all there. They were shooting pool. 
Oh my gosh. But like we we had such a great time and I came back and I had never considered New York before, but I came back and I told my parents, I think I'm moving to New York. Yeah. And then that, then I reached out to you and we moved to New York in October. We sure did. Our friend, our mutual friend, Georgia Bood, who is on Broadway currently for his third time, um, he moved in May. And right. he moved in May of that year. So two months later. Because I still take credit for him, his, by the as, way. <laughs> I got him into theater in eighth grade, and that is where he started. And now he's and I in a Tony Award winning play. Uh, Bands visit, yeah, yeah, it's great. Did it, you go see it? Yeah. I did. It's phenomenal. Yeah, the music is great. I have a lot of tables at the restaurant. They go to see it, or they came to see, or they came to have dinner after they saw it. They all mm-hmm. say it's great. Um, but he was the one who had success out of the showcase, and it's been great for him. So he moved in May, and I spoke to him after. It was the weekend that you and I came in August. Right, which is my first time in New York. Yeah. Ever. I had already decided to live here, and I hadn't even set foot here. I remember telling my mom on that Wednesday, like, hey, I'm going to New York this weekend. She was like, oh, okay, Uh why? And I'm like, Christian and I are going to look for apartments. (laughs) She's like, oh. We were so stupid. We were, but we didn't know any better. I got into a car accident on my way to the airport. I held the gate for you. You, oh my, this is the most epic story. I left my house. Our flight was probably one of the 6 a.m.ers. It was a 6 a, yeah, it was a 6 a.m. Spirit flight so I left because my, that's what we could afford. Oh Fuck my god! Spirit, by the way. We didn't even know that Spirit was a shitty airline. Well, we hadn't, we didn't fly by ourselves. <laughs> it, any flying that we did before that, it was with our parents on vacation. Not true. I hadn't traveled alone before. Okay. Once. Once. <laughs> sure. But hang on a second. Yeah. I left my house at 4.30 in the morning. With your padre. Yeah. And it had rained that night. And we we were taking a corner in the left lane and hydroplane in his Crown Victoria cop car. And slammed into the other side of I-94. And I was like, no, I'm not. I not, you're not will, going to New York I'm not today. making it to New York. Yeah. And we were fine. And my mom came because we weren't actually that far from home. My mom came in a minivan. It's like starts raining again. And I had spilled coffee on myself in, in the crash. And we all got, we left the cop car on I-94, got in the van and jetted to DTW. And I'm going through security and our gate is right across from security. And you're literally like pleading with yeah. the flight attendant to hold the door open. You're like your foot is propping it open. I and remember I'm, I remember seeing like the bright blue uh U of M collared jacket thing that you had on. The quarter zip. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh that's it. I mean, not like you six three skinny guy is hard to spot in a six AM Detroit I was like, airport. I was like, hold like, it, man! But I, but I, I remember pointing out, it's like that guy in the blue uh, jacket is coming, and he's 
Because you were, when I pointed you out, you were grabbing your stuff. You were through. You were I, just grabbing your stuff off of the belt. It's incredible that I didn't leave anything behind that day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yep. And then we missed our flight back. And then we missed our flight back. <laughs> wow. Because LaGuardia sure is a piece of shit. And if anyone hasn't flown out of LaGuardia... That was totally our fault. It, Six well, years later, we should own up to that. Uh, okay, so it's LaGuardia, that little corner. It's the little. It's the yeah, where frontier and spirit and shit is all converges. But in our younger versions, self's defense, we were so tired. We were so tired, and and the area that the speakers for the announcement that we needed to hear, yep. had like thirty seats. For a 90 person flight. Mm -hmm. So when we got there, there weren't any seats available in our section. And so we went one section over. Like we were. Right. We were less than 50 feet from our gate. Right. And that's where we were sitting. And we were waiting for the announcement. We were waiting for the boarding, boarding, boarding this flight to Detroit. Right, and missed it completely. Missed completely it completely. Missed it. I mean, we fell asleep, but we completely missed it. <laughs> and then my aunt Margie just emerged from with the buddy passes from the yeah, just with smoke and like you know, Rolling Stone song. She was just like, "I gotta get my grandson and his stupid friend home." Nephew, nephew. Sorry, Aunt Margie, nephew Aunt Margie and Christian. <laughs> that is what you said. She'll hate you for that. Uh, she won't listen. No, she was she was incredible that day. And then flew us back Delta, which was just like... The, so much better. Yeah. We just, had to jump over to the better terminal, but we walked in and it was like, oh, this is much better. It was even, much better. It was we, worth the wait, to be honest. <laughs> uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> I, would, I don't know. Yeah, that was dumb. Yeah. But it's, I, it's incredible, though. Even to this day, I was just thinking about it the other day, that we moved here without really, you know, knowing this place. Or We ended up in a good apartment, too. It was it wasn't it was bad. Fine, six hundred thirty three dollars a month mm -hmm. in New York. Yeah, I would love to pay each, that right now. Each. each, yeah, I would love to pay that right now. Can you imagine paying that little for rent? Six hundred and thirty bucks a month. I mean, we could find something, but it would be so far removed from the city. Yeah, be so far out there, or it would be really bad. It was yeah, it was an incredible experience, and it's something moving that far from home and beginning a new life is really something that not a lot of people do and i remember taking an acting class the first year i was out here mm -hmm. and she told us you're all she said all of you sitting in this room you're actually already rare birds for doing what you did and she said think about everyone in your life who actually followed their dreams and when you think about it it's actually the number of people is not as high as you'd think it is who actually followed right. their dreams and did exactly what they wanted to do. And I feel like in coming out here, we gave our dreams a real stab and we're, we're doing it and we're doing it. We're actually doing it. Exactly. But like this right now, but the fact that we is, even tried yeah. is makes us unique. Yeah. And it's something that I, it's something um, that, bonds me to everyone else in the city and it's one of the reasons why i actually did fall in love with the city oh you know over the better course of five years it took me a while yeah but it's something that bonds me to the people here because we all took a try on 
on something on mm-hmm. getting somewhere and i i love the energy of new york and the way that people work together and the the collaboration that happens and how real people are it's something that i i've met some of my best friends out here i've yeah, same. I've strengthened my relationships out here. New York has a really interesting way of turning the the mirror on you and showing you exactly who you are. And it's really kind of a relief because you are yourself and you can project that to the people that you meet and in the situations that you find yourself in. Do you think that the because it's a it's a common expression that's existed long before we have you know, if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. If you, you can make it here, you really should. Do you think that that has to do with what you just said about the mirror being reflected back at you and finding out who you are as a person? Do you think it's strictly the, you know, it's an expensive city and it's a lot of people and it's hard to find a job? Or do you think it actually has to do with what you just said of, you know, you come out here and you try to make it and you find out who you really are? And a lot of people... There's nothing wrong with coming out here and trying to be an actor or a singer, for example, and finding out that you don't have what it takes. Because coming out here alone is difficult. And I think that makes you special if you even come out and try. But do you think the people that stay out here, do you think that's more where that expression comes from? Or do you think that... It's just an expression that caught on that doesn't really mean any one thing in particular. I don't know. I can't speak for everyone. I can only really speak for myself. And what I have found in the city is that um, the if you keep your eyes open and you keep your if you stay hungry and you stay determined, you meet people who inspire you along the way. And you, and if you keep people in your in your circle, who are positive forces and who are um, grounding forces, I think that you have a better shot. Mm-hmm. I, that's you, what happened to me. You've done a very good job of surrounding yourself with people that keep you grounded and motivated. Yeah, we have James, who's doing great things with his fashion line. Molly, who's launched her own production company. Those are the people that I know personally that also motivate me, and I know Lucy as a reporter. Lucy as, as a, a reporter, I don't. I don't know. And here's what else I love yeah. about New York is that everyone is doing something different. Yeah, but everything kind of ties into everything else, so you can have a conversation with someone. It's like artists talking to each other. You know, a painter can talk to a singer, can talk to a filmmaker, and it's all kind of the same. It's yeah. I mean, the only it thing transcends that, language and it transcends ideology and all of that stuff. The and, only thing that's different is the material. Right. Like James, James is creative with with fabrics. We're creative with stories. Lucy is creative with the news. And, right. Yeah. Right. And all of those things build and feed upon each other. And I think that that's part of the magic of the city. But it's also part of the magic of of any great city. I think is is that people are are there and they're energized and they're excited and they're hopeful. And I think while New York can be very crushing and can be and you can have your worst days here. I've had days where I've gone to bed and wondered what the fuck I was doing here. It's me most days. <laughs> it's you when I leave in five minutes, right? Yep. Um, but 
it can be the the most hopeful thing in the world and the most I- idealistic thing in the world. I think that's a good place to stop. Great. On a really good note. I'm not trying to cut you off. I think we... I think I got to a good place. I, I don't think, think I started very well. Yeah. I mean, you warmed but up. Here we you warmed are. Up. The I also helps. warmed up with a little tequila blanket. Sure, sure did. A little tequila snack. Wrapped you up nice and cozy. I sure did. Um, anything that you want to put out there for people to know about coming up? Um, go stream uh, Missed Connections. All nine episodes are streaming now on MFM Transmedia's YouTube channel. So that's youtube.com forward slash MFM Transmedia. MFM Transmedia. And that's MFM T-R-A-N-S M-E-D-I-A. Oh my gosh, you can spell. I can spell. I went to school. Did you have a Catholic school education? I sure shit did. Wow, it's really showing. I appreciate that. Those Christian um, brothers know what they're talking about. They sure do. Uh, Brother Pat, still alive and kicking. Hope he's doing great. He's incredible. He... He'll be at my deathbed. Yes. And he's going to tell you that you did great. He's a hundred. He's literally a hundred. <laughs> no, I'm actually not joking. I, think I know. I think he's actually... No, I I think he's actually a hundred. Uh, Brother Pat, I hope you're listening. And I hope you made it this long. Oh my God. To the end of the podcast. <laughs> All right. All right. Hi. We will uh, we will have you on again soon. We being the metaphorical we, we being me. Thank you very much. I'm proud of you for, for pursuing the show. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Uh, Christian John Schulte, ladies and gentlemen.